0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from Redeemer Church, where we are disciples of Jesus in life together, making disciples. To check out our other media or to find out more information about our church, visit RedeemersGF.com. We can study the Bible our entire lives and never unwrap every treasure that is there. The Word of God is alive, and this is where we will find satisfaction and joy knowing deeply the God that saved us. As our relationship with him grows deeper, so should the meaning behind our worship. We must study his word and know what we are worshiping him for. We know the good news of Jesus Christ, that he lived a perfect life and bore the wrath of God that was due us. We know that he died on the cross and rose three days later, having conquered sin and death, sealing our place with him in eternity. But God's work began an eternity ago. Israel was singing these praises long before Jesus was born, and they knew their history well of the promises of God and his deliverance. They looked forward to a Messiah, but in the meantime, they could look back, and they could see what God had done for his people they studied his word and memorized it. We cannot understate the importance of growing in the knowledge of God's work. Look and see the redemption story that started in Genesis. And God rescuing his people from slavery out of Egypt in Exodus was miraculous. God could have done less than snap his fingers And he could have instantly freed them and put them in their promised land. But God had such a greater purpose far beyond their understanding as he led them through the wilderness and allowed them to go through many, many ups and downs. Every step of the way during Exodus, God showed his character, righteous and holy. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and yet they were always provided for. Water, manna, and quail satisfied shortly, but the true majestic work was God's faithfulness to them and the provision in itself. God never forgot his promises to them, even after his people rebelled time after time. Seeing these things in their history, and knowing that God would send the Messiah, Israel could trust that God's righteousness endures forever, past and future. They were thankful for the Messiah that they knew would be sent to them. Verse four says, "He has caused wondrous works, His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful." We sometimes sing the hymn, "Come thou fount of every blessing." and I'll read a couple of verses here. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, the mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, Hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. If you're like me, at some point or another, you've probably wondered what the heck is in Ebenezer. This hymn is referencing First Samuel chapter 7 when the Israelite people asked Samuel to cry out to the Lord to save them from the Philistine warriors. Samuel makes a sacrifice to God, and God causes the Israelite warriors to defeat the Philistines in this battle. Verse 12 says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. This Ebenezer was a monument of remembering that the Lord was their help. There are still other examples in the Bible of God's people marking certain places with stones where they saw the Lord's faithfulness at work. His works are worthy to be remembered. He is constantly at work in our lives, showing us such grace and mercy. We should be careful not to attribute anything to good or bad fortune or even coincidence. Every detail in your life, believer, is a work by God, purposed to bring him glory. And being one of his people, that is for your good. After the exodus from Egypt, the Israelites used their gold and treasures that God provided to perform Uh, to form an idol of a golden calf. They forgot what their Savior had done, and they worshiped and gave thanks to an unliving form of an animal that they had made. So let us credit and praise God accordingly. As we are instructed to remember his works and commandments, we can trust God that he remembers his covenants even when we forget Psalm 106 is a fairly detailed account of the many ways Israel rebelled against him through their history, of them worshiping idols and even sacrificing their children to demons. Several times this psalm cycles through Israel sinning, facing the consequences of this sin, and being delivered by their God. The psalm concludes with these verses. Many times he delivered them but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon them. He looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. As God kept his covenant with Israel and delivered them, as he gave them the inheritance of the nations, he is powerful enough and merciful enough to keep his new covenant in the blood of Jesus that whoever believes in the Son shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All the way back through Genesis, it led to this. I've mentioned only a few examples in the Old Testament, but how greater of an understanding we can have of Jesus and the covenant that we are in. To understand those things and how it led to this now. Verse 5 says, He provides food for those who fear him, He remembers his covenant forever. Like he provided food for the Israelites in the wilderness, he provides for us now. We have something greater than manna, however. He feeds us with the bread of life and with living water. In Jesus, we have all we need. As the psalm has already called us in previous verses, we must study and take nourishment in the word. The beginning of the Gospel of John is well known. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Excuse me, I'll start that over. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Later in John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Our soul finds its fill in Jesus, where nothing else will. Do we become impatient with God? For not giving us the job we want, or the house, or even the growth in our lives that we see that we need. God has given us something that puts even the biggest earthly need into perspective. In our Bibles are the words of eternal life Feast, be filled. It is the comfort, the joy, and the light. That pierces the darkness forever. This is God's daily bread to us. Christ is the Word. He is the bread of life. He is the light of men, never to be overcome by darkness. Christ said, This is the new covenant in my blood. And that covenant will be remembered by God forever. In remembering this covenant, He forgets our sin. Praise the Lord. We all have much to be thankful for. Verse seven: the works of the Lord, uh, the works of His hands are faithful and just; all His precepts are trustworthy. Continuing to eight, they are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. uprightness. God's work are. God's works are a reflection of his character. The attributes listed so far just in this psalm have been great, full of splendor and majesty, enduring forever, wondrous, powerful, giving, faithful, just, and trustworthy. These characteristics are a reflection. They are that of his, excuse me, they are that of a perfect in holy god and nothing that comes from him is tainted by sin we see it in his works and also in his commandments his precepts or his instructions are trustworthy and are applicable and steadfast through all time past and future such fruitful and important instructions are to be kept by his people without groaning and without wavering we of course, are not able to do so. We fail time and time again. And we often question and ignore God's good commandments for us. Only Christ was able to carry out and know God's will perfectly. This calling should lead us to fall on our knees in joyful worship as we are covered by Christ's righteousness as he perfectly pleased the father by doing his work by christ our advocate and our mediator we are now counted righteousness we are now counted righteous as though we have held to god's standard perfectly ourselves with christ's faithfulness and uprightness verse 9 wraps up this section of declaring the greatness of god's work by describing the driving purpose behind what God does. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. God's work has always been for the redemption of his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. From the very beginning, God long endured excuse me, God's long enduring patience with the rebellious nation, culminating with the life of Jesus, opens our eyes to see such tremendous glory. There could be no greater expression of who God is. So anything but exactly how all of history plays out would diminish the grandeur and majesty of our creator king. Those details include even now our lives. It has been a difficult year for so many of us with tragedy and difficulty seemingly around every corner. But brothers and sisters, do not despair. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 say this: Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds where you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And Paul says in Romans, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. God's word does not leave us alone with instructions to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps either. So see this response in the context of who God is and how he knows us personally and is working for our good and for his glory. Matthew 5 verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So it is appropriate and necessary to grieve. We are to mourn with those who mourn. And there is clearly a time for it. But do not let the mourning overwhelm the comfort of our God who is with us, who sent his only son to die on the cross. When Christ died, he cried, it is finished. He bore the weight of God's wrath. And so our salvation is, is completely secured in his saving work. And now we live with the Holy Spirit empowering us and opening our eyes to truth, being sanctified day by day. God has commanded his covenant forever, and he will wipe away all tears. Holy and awesome is his name. So after this long list of how God's work is so great, the psalmist ends by telling us the correct response. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praises endure forever. To God's people, the fear of the Lord is everything. Understand who God is, a being far beyond our capacity to to completely grasp who made us and knows us and loves us and is perfectly good. Reverence and awe can be the only response here. This is where wisdom begins in the renewed heart and mind, recognizing who the Lord is. Those who fear God have a good understanding of reality, and those who have a good understanding of reality fear God. If you find yourself in a place where you aren't seeing both the awesomeness and holiness of God, or if you find yourself in a place where you aren't responding correctly, you're responding in apathy towards the Lord and His works, ground yourself in the Word. Stop for a moment and look at His works throughout all of history and in your life. Where were you when you first believed in the Lord? Where are you now? Think of the growth that has happened there. Think of the peace you've come to know. Think of the past physical uh, provisions and blessings as well. Look at your present sin and the serious solemnness of it. And then look at who saved you from it and made you pure. His praise endures forever. And he is worthy of praise. So join with the psalmist. Join with the angels and all the saints and sing thanks for his wonderful work in redeeming his people. Praising the Lord is something that should flow out of us in every season, in joyful times or in times of suffering and sadness. We can praise him in our study, in singing, in how we obey him out of reverent fear. Alone and publicly, with our brothers and sisters or in the world alone. These are all things that we know by the word that he has given us. That we are able to even understand is a miracle of God. A football fan wears gear and makes it known who they root for and they want others to join in with cheering. So call each other To a greater praise for our God. God's works are grand and beautiful. They are precious and complex. Let the world see a people who properly praise their God for mysterious works, all for a clear purpose of redeeming his people and receiving all glory that is due him. So today, We will respond by taking communion and singing more songs of praise. As you do, dwell on what you are doing and look around the room at others who share the same spirit. You know their destiny as well as yours, and it is thanks to God remembering his covenant. Praise him.